The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. The left, full of somber support. I think, really, this should be a somber moment. It's a sad day for America. I think it's sad. It's sad. Sad day for America. It's a sad day. It's just really sad. Sadness, I, I think. It is a serious night and a somber moment for our country. So this is a really sad moment. Peter, it looked to me right away, and they later confirmed it, that there was um, a sandbag there. It was a windy day. It was holding down the, the teleprompter stands and clearly not well placed. He tripped over a, you know, I guess there was like a sandbag. Yeah. On, and Twitter and the writer going crazy. I, I tripped in my own house. I mean, it's not easy. Same, same. So, so what do you think it is about Joe Biden? Is it is he so enraging to the right because he is so normal? I fell uh, in the hallway because I was wearing high heels and walking um, too fast. He got up a lot faster than I did. I trip all. I also. <laughs> I, I it's painful to watch people trip. On oh, it's the worst. And in public. Are you kidding? It is the worst. And presidents do fall. They do. They trip and fall. He kept the American economy from falling. I mean, the president could do full handstands on the economy. It's just a fact. The numbers support that, whether he's a Democrat or Republican or whatever. Well, I mean, there are some people who are at their best in their 80s. My mom was using a chainsaw and doing her best work in her 80s. Nancy Pelosi without chainsaw. Air raid sirens and no real guarantee of security. As air raid sirens blared. This was incredibly dramatic, Andrea. It was historic as well. Historic, timely, and brave. Uh, American presidents have made dramatic trips before. Nixon to China, Kennedy, Reagan to the Berlin Wall. And presidents have visited U.S. troops in war zones, but never like this. To find a, a day of this kind of presidential bravery in a war zone, you've got to go all the way back to 1864. Seeing the American president there walking the streets of Kiev while air raid sirens literally sounded in that moment about possible incoming fire from Russia. With his aviators on to walk through in broad daylight in Kiev. The swagger of this trip. The government in Gaza says the Israeli Defense Forces uh, struck a hospital in the center of Gaza City. An airstrike hit a Gaza City hospital, killing at least 500 people. Where a hospital was caved in, killing hundreds and stranding an untold number under the concrete. The deadliest Israeli airstrike ever. An Israeli missile struck the hospital. Absolutely horrific loss of life. This is not the first time violence has actually hit what's supposed to be, obviously, a place of healing. Deadly explosion at a hospital in Gaza. Palestinian officials say hundreds were killed and they're blaming Israel. Now Hamas is calling this a genocide. 200 to 300 people uh, believed to be dead at this stage. Also many examples of, uh, you know, of civilian deaths caused directly by Israel. There's no doubt about it. Minimum, at minimum, 300 people are dead. Egypt is, is saying it's very upset about this this hospital bombing. It's, the World Health Organization has strongly condemned the attack. Today, the death toll rose significantly in a horrific attack in Gaza. 200 to 300 people were killed. The Palestinians are talking about 500 dead. We keep hearing things from Republicans like sweetheart deal. This is not some sweetheart deal. Well, I don't think it was a sweetheart deal. There's no indication that he's getting a special or a sweetheart deal. So is this a sweetheart deal? No, it's not. So it does not appear that this is a sweetheart deal. They focus on this and say, oh my God, two-tier standard of justice. He got a sweetheart deal. And you're like, guys, I mean, you're just, you just sound like morons. If his last name was not Biden, I don't even think he would have been charged. His name was hunter smith he probably would not have been charged based on what we have seen here it seems like a more harsh disposition than most people will get so i actually think you know biden's kind of getting the short end of the stick on this because it's such a high profile case but nothing has been found to be illegal with those poor decisions they can't name one crime that was committed he committed no crime bending over backwards to not show any favor even any appearance of favor to the president's son 
The attack on the whistleblower um, is, is never wise. It's never lawful. And I'm not going to call them whistleblowers. They don't deserve whistleblower protection. Each and every one of them has a, uh, a strange history, has, guess what, Russian connections. They always do. They weren't really whistleblowers at all. In fact, they weren't even credible witnesses. Two or three people who are political operatives, but they're not whistleblowers. These guys are not whistleblowers, period. Come back to so-called whistleblower. From the so-called whistleblowers. See, so-called whistleblowers. So-called whistleblowers. So-called whistleblowers. So-called whistleblower. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members. Deprogramming that might work in other cases is um, it's obviously proven to be difficult that any exposure uh, to children about LGBT people uh, is automatically grooming. How do you fix it? How do you undo it? Well, at this point, you know, it's deprogramming. That's what we're being fed. People uh, of other races are out to get you. We accept that. We get fed that. And so when that doorbell rings or the basketball comes into your yard, your first response is to pull that gun. It's a it's a programming that's occurring. The deprogramming question is much tougher to answer. anyone else is surviving out here. I can't go to the grocery store and get a week's worth of groceries without spending $300, $400. Because everything is just astronomically expensive. The everyday necessities that people take for granted, you can't afford them anymore. Bidenomics, Biden's formula for strong economic growth from the bottom up, it's so much greater than even the experts in economic stuff expected it to be. How are you feeling tonight? Are you feeling confident tonight? The Biden administration is crediting Bidenomics. Bidenomics is changing their lives for the better. Because real Americans are feeling the benefits. Bidenomics and how well the economy has been doing under Joe Biden. If I were him, I'd actually be declaring victory. This economy is particularly good. You look at the gas prices that came down. America is doing incredibly well. Joe Biden did nothing, nothing, not even approximating improper, much less wrong or illegal. Hunter Biden talked to his dad on the phone all the time. They talked basically every day. Sometimes Joe Biden would say hello to the people in the room if he popped in. These were more of just cordial hello types of conversations. Business was never discussed on those calls. And that was more casual sort of check-ins, casual conversations. The Hunter Biden story, the scandal, the this, the that, it's also the story of a father's love. We should put this in context. This is a time when Bo Biden, the president's other son, was ill and then dying and then and then passed away. Very fraught and and sad time for the Biden family. And we know how important family is uh, to the president. People in your families, uh, they're near do wells. This is as old as time. You know what we've seen? A lot of pictures that show you what addiction does to somebody, and a lot of noise to distract from Trump. What would a second Donald Trump term look like? You can't imagine the things that he's going to do. And shoot visitors to the White House. Yeah, that means he can shoot the First Lady. We're going to see violence, the likes of which we didn't even see on January 6th. Make it illegal to run against him, to throw his opponents in jail, to shut down the media. He will make himself into the Fuhrer. Using martial law against the American people. Create mass internment camps. Throw everyone into Gitmo. Assassinate generals. Ordering troops uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. He's going to basically burn the house down. The absolute destruction of the Justice Department as we know it. Vote for Donald Trump uh, may mean the last election that you ever get to vote in. Professional liars and all of them millionaires, if you can believe it. They're paid well to spew to spew forth with those those lies. That uh, montage there comes to you courtesy of Grabian. We do rely upon uh, Grabian for quite a few of our clips through the course of a broadcasting year, so nice to uh, to give them a little bit of a plug here. And also, it's good to whet our appetites for the end of our very own 
end of the year montage. That comes up later this week. You don't want to miss this week of broadcasting at the Trumpet Daily. You are listening to the Trumpet Daily. This is your host, Stephen Flurry. Certainly uh, glad that you can join us on this uh, chilly Monday morning here in the central uh, the central uh, time zone of, uh, of the United States, the central uh, portion of, uh, of Oklahoma as well. We've got a lot to, to get to on today's show. Of course, you can get to the live video stream of this show at TrumpetDaily.com and over at our Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily and you can join in on the conversation. You can leave a comment and you can, of course, give us the thumbs up so as to up our rating. We've not even been on Rumble for a full year. I think we uh, jumped on, what, back in February, March, uh, and uh, just this past week, last week, I think the last three shows are right around 3,000 views uh, each, uh, and we broadcast uh, every weekday evening at LFA, live from America, uh, at the Rumble channel as well, or at rumble.com. That, I think Friday's show, is up to about 8,000 views, so we've really seen some nice uh, some nice growth on the show of course adding all of these uh these uh these new initiatives or the new network and doing some of the the uh, interviews that we've had in recent months uh we've produced quite a lot i think this is my 235th program just for me personally in this calendar year uh and that's Partly because I just didn't want to step away when we had uh, when we were just trying to get you know get everything off and running for LFA and some of these other initiatives that we've had. But tomorrow, tomorrow, the dear producer Sam Livingston, he will be subbing in for me. We've got a big shindig at the house this evening. My wife and I will be staying off to the side of the house in our camper, as the house will be full of illegals. Coming in from El Paso, no, just kidding. Actually, college students of the female variety will be uh, taking over the house this evening. So uh, we're looking forward to some fun with the gals here at, uh, at AC. And uh, Sam, I'm sure, will be doing a great job tomorrow, giving me a little bit of a break from the daily intensity that is the Trumpet Daily. This, uh, this clip, by the way, of Barack Obama Speaking of lies, you know, and, and disinformation, I mean, he is the master. He is the master. Listen to him as he talks about exactly what he's been out there promoting and distributing for 15 years. This is clip two. Understand, it's not necessary for people to believe disinformation in order to weaken democratic institutions. You just have to flood a country's public square with enough raw sewage. You just have to raise enough questions, spread enough dirt, plant enough conspiracy theorizing that citizens no longer know what to believe. Once they lose trust in their leaders, in mainstream media, in political institutions, in each other, in the possibility of truth, the game's won. Some uh, pregnant pauses to uh, throw in there, as per usual, coming from the dear leader, the one who's been spreading raw sewage out into the public discourse for years, for 15 years, and at the same time, censoring, censoring the truth. Working with, he's on the phone, his wife's on the phone with social media, following the fake insurrection from 2021. And he says, yeah, you, you need anybody that says the election was stolen or anyone that would come out in defense of the MAGA supporters on uh, January 6th, they've got to be blotted out. They've got to be censored. Think about the, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Think about the, the montage that we just played for you at the start of the show. I mean, just that's raw sewage, to use the dear leader's language. Raw sewage, pure and simple. This is from the New York Post. 
Why would former President Barack Obama spend his time and political capital defending a protector of genocidal Jew haters, depending on the context, later exposed to be a serial plagiarist? Yeah, that's right. The president of Harvard, the dear leader, comes out and supports her, says she's got to keep her job. Listen, she's a minority. She's an African-American. She's a woman. You can't fire her. She's too big to fire. Not me, not literally, but you know what I mean. She's too big to fire. It says here, that became a live question with Jewish insiders' revelation. Obama had privately lobbied for Harvard President Claudine Gay to keep her job amid calls for her head following the mealy mouth and morally bankrupt testimony she delivered before Congress. Testimony illustrating exactly why Jew hatred had erupted and been allowed to fester on campuses following Hamas's barbaric October 7 uh, attack. So she's a Jew hater and she's a plagiarist and the dear leader loves her. Oh yes, you know why. It says here, one explanation for Obama backing gay is he shares her tolerance for the pro-Palestinian Israel haters and their woke comrades on the radical left with whom he may, he may well feel a kinship. It says Barack Obama is the leader of the Democratic Party in everything but name and the face of our credentialed pseudo elites. He, there again, yet another source. This is the New York Post coming out and saying what's been obvious to us for many, many years now, America's under attack, and this man coming in the spirit of Antiochus, he is leading the charge. He's leading the attack. We've got a, the next issue of The Trumpet coming out, addresses truth, how that we're living in a, a post-truth world. My father, I mentioned the article the other day. He has an article there, a personal, about truth. You can see why it's so important to be grounded in it. Look at how many lies. Look at, all, as I say, all of those talking heads. They're millionaires. They're million, and they're so serious with four or five R's. So serious about this or that lie. Joe Biden, he didn't do anything. He just loves his son. He just loves his son. And guess what happens when Donald Trump comes back, or if he comes back? That's Hitler. That's Hitler. That's the end of democracy. Yeah, there's going to be all these internment camps, and uh, Trump's going to, he's going to start assassinating people. <laughs> these people take themselves seriously. A lot of people obviously don't, the ones watching it, or the ones tuning it out, the ones turning it off. It says here, elite schools are the left center of gravity, feeding power centers from Washington to Wall Street to Silicon Valley. It says that Obama stepped in to support gay suggests he believes it to be politically in imperative of the highest order. It's important, you see, to keep her in there. Doesn't matter that she lies. Doesn't matter that she cheats. Just put her in there. I mean, look at what Harvard, Harvard is graduating. Supreme Court justices, like at, like at the Colorado Supreme Court. Yeah, f three of the four. Three of the four that want to remove Trump from the ballot. They're Ivy League educated. Oh, yes. So it's no problem. It's no problem to, uh, to cheat, to lie. She's the president of Harvard, and she's held to a lower standard than probably the Harvard students themselves. Speaking of the lies about what would happen if Donald Trump were to return, listen to this from Face the Nation yesterday, clip three. It comes from how so many voters channel Trump's own anger over the 2020 elections. Some share his false claims that he won the election in 2020. He did not. And they believe he deserves a second shot. And it's so unusual to have a former president running for the nomination again. I mean, I can't even imagine Jimmy Carter running in 1984, George H.W. Bush running in 1996. It's historically almost inconceivable, but it's happening. And Republican voters, for the most part, are looking at him. But I have detected, Margaret, the support for Trump in some places, especially in New Hampshire, noticeably soft. They like Trump, but they're not totally committed to voting for him at this late juncture. Support for Trump is noticeably soft. Uh, Biden? I mean, oh, Chris Christie, 
Very strong. The, str- the support for Nikki Haley as strong as ever. I mean, she's riding a wave, Nikki Haley, in New Hampshire. Have you heard of it? And then here's this guy. Here's this guy. I don't know. If, is he a millionaire too? Yeah, the support, the support for Trump. It's just so soft. Listen to this. This is the uh, MSNBC historian of note, Michael Beschloss, talking about the danger of another Trump administration. Clip five. And it provided Hitler with an easy way to blame the many ills of Germany in 1924, Weimar Germany after World War One, on one group, which was Jewish people, as well as some others, but it was mainly Jews. And for Donald Trump as a former president and possible future president to use that language, knowing that that language led to the Holocaust. He knows what he's doing and he thinks it works. (laughs) How many books has that guy written? There's a good uh, screen grab right there. (laughs) There's Michael Beschloss going on and on about Hitler. That off, Hitler. That's right. (laughs) All right, take it off the screen. You're making me laugh. They're having too much fun in the control room. I can hear them laughing. I'm the only one in this studio, but I've got a, it seems like I've got a live studio audience for today's show. We've, by the way, we've had this every week for the last four or five weeks, right? The Trump is Hitler montage. You think all the talking heads are on vacation this week? Well, the few that are left, the ones that are still talking, Listen to them go on and on about bad orange man. This is clip nine. It definitely feels like the Trump show. It's about him. It's all about him. It's not about the voters. And so the more time that he spends in the courtroom uh, talking about himself, the less time he's on the campaign trail talking to real families and feeling that impact. So you got to wonder, when is the breaking point for, for us to start thinking, maybe maybe we don't want this guy. Um, he is definitely not talking to us. He's, he is not talking to the voters and he's not saying the things that they really want to hear. And it's a sharp contrast to what Biden is doing and, and, and definitely saying. As you described the incidental nature of Hitler having been in prison as he wrote Mein Kampf, it would seem that is a part of this theory of power to be racist, to be xenophobic, to blame the elder society on a single group in the interest of attaining absolute power. And it provided Hitler with an easy way to blame the many ills of Germany in 1924, Weimar Germany after World War One, on one group, which was Jewish people as well as some others, but it was mainly Jews. And for Donald Trump as a former president and possible future president to use that language, knowing that that language led to the Holocaust, he knows what he's doing and he thinks it works. The 2024 campaign is all about freedom and democracy. If I had not studied, as I have very thoroughly, uh, the elections of 1876 and what happened in this country, the run-up to what became known as the Jim Crow era, I do believe very strongly that on January 6, 2021, a playbook that had been developed out of that election and the aftermath of that election is exactly what was at play on January 6, 2021. When you're trying to overthrow legitimately established governments, it never really happens in one fell swoop. There's always fits and starts. We've seen this in Nazi Germany. We've seen it in Russia and elsewhere. And as the the guest said earlier, this is just yet another example of what everyone knows now. Let's Donald Trump uh, acted in an insurrection. He participated. He supported insurrection. Determined that Donald Trump did engage in insurrection. He engaged in insurrection, and that has disqualified himself. Unlike Donald Trump, I believe in upholding the Constitution and following the law. <laughs> that last woman there, I think she's the, uh, the state attorney general, maybe, or the secretary of state in uh, Colorado. <laughs> it's easy to poke fun at these lunatics. Uh, but a more serious point to, to make is what we were <laughs> emphasizing at the very start of this calendar year, back in the January issue of the Trumpet Magazine, ready for war. And when they start talking like that, as insane as it is, it's just like Tucker said recently, 
And others are starting to chime in. What are they willing, if the indictments won't work, if removing them from the ballot doesn't work, what, what's left? What is left? We've talked about the war in 24. Listen to Catherine Herridge. I, don't, I forget which network she's on these days, but this is her talking about the next calendar year, clip four. I just feel a lot of concern that 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. Mm -hmm. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Um, there are a number of cons uh, concerns that I have that factor into that. And not only this uh, sort of enduring heightened threat level that we're facing, uh, the wars in Israel, also Ukraine. And we're so divided in this country in ways that we haven't seen before. And I think that just creates fertile ground for our adversaries like North Korea, China and Iran. And that's what uh, concerns me most. She's right about that. I mean, you you have this kind of a sickness from within. And, and what must the enemies of the United States be thinking? The enemies swirling about in this time of the Gentiles, as your Bible prophesies, the time for Russia, for China, for Germany, for America's adversaries, they look at the sickness, they see it from head to toe. They see a nation dying. That's what's happening in the United States and coming back to the threat from within. Listen to Tucker Carlson. I think he was on with Dan uh, Bongino. This is from just a, a couple days ago, clip six. I mean, one of my core beliefs about life is that nothing is static, everything is dynamic. It's moving in one direction or another. And it's so hard to adjust to that as a human being because you want everything to stay the same, but nothing ever does. So if you want to know what things are going to look like in the future, just chart out what has been happening recently and ask yourself, are things accelerating or decelerating? Are they moving up, down, right, left? I mean, just chart it out. And in the case of Trump, they started with protests, they moved to impeachment, now they're at indictment. None of it has worked. What's next? What is what could possibly be next? If you felt and you really believed and a lot of them do that the worst thing that could happen to the country and more specifically to you in the professional class is to have Donald Trump as president and everything you have tried has failed and they have been accelerating steps. Protests, impeachment, indictment. Like, w w how many more arrows do you have in your quiver? And what's the next one? And of course, it's assassination. Not a popular message. Not one that, uh, <laughs> not one that would have gone over well on Fox News. Both of these guys no longer with Fox News. They're venturing out on their own. Independent voices. And much needed, particularly Tucker, of course. But what's the next step? What's the, what's the last arrow in the quiver? If you have a chance to prevent Adolf Hitler from returning to the United States in this case, and you could take him out, would you do it? You know there have to be plenty of people thinking exactly that. Who's going to be the one? Who's going to, who's going to step forward and save democracy in the United States? Well, we step back, of course, and look at the bigger picture. We look at the Antiochus prophecy. We look at the Jeroboam prophecy. And you, you, you obviously see that it's God that has to intervene. It's God who temporarily saves America by the hand of Jeroboam. There's very little help. No help, it says in that passage, 2 Kings 14. No helper in the affliction is so bitter. Listen to more from uh, from Tucker the other day, clip seven. So, again, it's just another example of what you said a minute ago. Wisely, if you want to know what's true, look at the things you're not allowed to say. You're not allowed to say them, not because they're conspiracy theories or lies. Right. You're not allowed to say them precisely because they are not conspiracy theories or lies. They are true. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Tucker even paraphrased that recently in another interview. But you can, you can get a pretty good handle on what is true. You, you listen to the opening montage, the cold open that we had for today's show, and you look back, and I mean, I mean we, we covered those lies as they were happening, but you look, you look back on it, the, the top 10 bold, audacious lies 
brought to you by the regime media. And as I say, it's just, it's, it's laughable. It's laughable. How do you know? How do you know if you're hovering over the truth? Well, if, uh, if, there's, if, if there's this satanic, this intense satanic effort to blot it out, to prevent you from saying it, from telling it, then you know, you know you're, uh, you're over the target. Tucker, uh, recently we played the clip last week, but he recently talked about one, the one, one of the two subjects that he was kind of intimidated into not covering, and that would be the election steal. You can't even discuss it. You can if you're Hillary. You can if it's 2016. You can talk about, you know, Russian interference all you want. But you can't talk about the election steal of 2020. That tells you everything that you need to know, doesn't it? It's exactly as Tucker said there. Listen to one more exchange here from that uh, same segment, clip eight. They have set up Donald Trump as president as the one thing they, they can't tolerate. Now, that's anti-democratic right there. Democracy demands that people who didn't vote for a candidate submit to his rule if he wins democratically. That's a baseline requirement for democracy. All of us have been through it. Some guy you hate gets elected and you have to sit there and be like, OK, he's the president. He's my president. It's my country. And I'm going to sit there like a good little boy as he reigns. I disagree with him, but I'm not going to try and kill him because I believe in the system. They, that's kind of the traditional Western view of democracy. They don't have a Western view of anything. They don't believe in democracy. So they're not bound by the normal rules that the rest of us are and have been for 250 years. So I just don't think they're going to tolerate it. I don't think they think like us. They're like, well, you know, he won. I guess we should let him govern. They didn't do that last time, and they definitely won't do it this time. And of course, the difference now is we know exactly who they are. We know exactly what they think. And we know, to some extent, the lengths they will go to get their will. And they don't have any boundaries at all. They use the U.S. military against the American population. So yeah. who would do that? Well, people who don't have limits would do that. So what are their, what are their boundaries in this case? I, I literally don't think they have boundaries. And I think that we should be prepared, at least internally, psychologically, uh, for them to do anything. Be prepared for them. That would be the communist left to do anything. Here again, America under attack. <laughs> this, is per this is the perfect read. As you prepare, as you prepare for the new calendar year, war in 24, <laughs> think about what's coming and make sure you're prepared for it. Call our operators today and request your free copy. There's no cost, no obligation. 1-866-930-3024. That book, America Under Attack, it used to be a booklet. It's been, in, it's been in circulation for 10 plus years, 10 plus years. It's been updated and revised uh, several times over the years. The whole story is there, all of the, the riveting detail. And, and again, you, you step, you're able in reading and studying this to step back and to get the big picture perspective, to get God's perspective. When we come back, we'll get into uh, uh, some stories here we've had the last few days. I haven't had time to get into it about, about the, the economy. <laughs> you, you heard them lying about the economy in that, uh, that cold open. We'll give you some, uh, some truth to think on as, uh, as you continue through with today's show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily if you'd like to email the show, hopefully we can get to a few emails later on in the program as well. You can reach us at tdatthetrumpet.com. <clears throat> we'll be right back. In 1994, Trumpet Editor-in-Chief Gerald Flurry asked, Is Iraq about to fall to Iran? It was a bold statement at the time. But over the next 20 years, this forecast became reality. Today, Iran is the undisputed king in the Middle East. In the early 1990s, we identified Iran as the prophesied king of the south. In the book of Daniel, it says this king of the south will push against the king of the north. These prophecies are being fulfilled before our eyes. 
To learn more about these incredible prophecies, request your free copy of The King of the South. This booklet examines the history and current events of the Middle East under the light of Bible prophecy. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. Meanwhile, economist Harry Dent is making a dire prediction about the market next year. He says 2024 is going to bring, and I'm quoting him now, the biggest crash of our lifetime. Economist John Lonsky is here. What do you think of Dent's prediction? Oh, I think it's a little bit over the top. It's a daring prediction. <laughs> I hope that. it is. Okay. Anyway. I hope so, too. I don't see yeah. any sign of that happening right now. But, you know, the longer we put off this, this correction, eventually we have to have some sort of slowdown or a mild recession to sort of like stop this rapid growth of, of consumer credit. we got to do something about those elevated prices in housing, the rents and whatnot. But even as the Fed is is reducing rates, and they say they're going to reduce it three times in 2024. I mean, isn't isn't that going to forestall a recession? It might well, might put it off even longer, but uh, won't it forestall? I it? got bad news because usually recessions appear after the Fed begins to cut rates. Okay, so I don't think the uh, forthcoming rate cuts will necessarily stave off an economic downturn. That may be asking too much. There, I guess that's Fox uh, Business there. Seems pretty, <laughs> pretty optimistic, given uh, what others are forecasting, like he covered there at the, uh, the start of that, uh, that clip. This is from uh, Financial Times. It's an interview with Charlie, uh, or Charles Goodhart, a Bank of England uh, economist. It says here, back in the midst of the lockdown-induced slump, the British uh, economist Charles Goodhart made a surprising prediction With annual UK price growth running at less than 1%, he warned that inflation was on its way back and on a lasting basis. It says Goodhart warned central banks face a very difficult period ahead. He also had some dark warnings about the mounting risk of fiscal crises in some of the world's biggest economies. If you look into that article, You see, it draws attention to just the lack of personal savings for people in Britain. The same would apply here in the United States. And then also a lack of government planning. There's certainly no, you know, remember the years of Joseph when he was working in Egypt and and God said, look, there's going to be some tough times coming ahead. You better prepare for it. There is none of that going on. There is no preparation going on at the moment for the economic crisis that will hit at some point. My father had that, that article or that program. I'll play a clip here in just a second. Our financial 9-11 was prophesied. That's in the booklet, He Was Right. Here's another one. Talk about tomorrow's news today. If you don't have He Was Right, get America under attack, get a subscription to the Trumpet Magazine, and also uh, request this brochure. Everything we offer on this show It's offered without cost, without obligation. He was right. He being Herbert Armstrong, that uh, servant of God that came in the spirit and power of Elijah in these last days. And of course, we've got plenty of literature about his work and ministry. His, uh, certainly his signature work over the course of his 50 plus years serving God. That would be Mystery of the Ages. Uh, but we've also got Malachi's message and uh, raising the ruins to just give you a bit of that, that history and, and also what's happened since Herbert Armstrong's death from 1986. This is from that same Financial Times piece. It says, because of a shortage of, of sufficient personal savings and the fiscal problems not enabling the government to step in with sufficiently good pensions, This will actually mean that the government has to support particularly the incapacitated to prevent them from becoming destitute in effect. And the fiscal cost will be enormous, particularly of looking after the the old and incapacitated in their care homes. So the governments, (laughs) we've seen the nanny state just grow larger and larger in Western nations. And, and more and more, they're going to have, I told you last week about just the, the skyrocketing numbers for homelessness. People can't afford rent here in the United States. So they're taking to the streets. 
and there's a lot of people that are going to be expecting the, the government to be as generous with, generous with the handouts as they are with the illegals. The, the illegals are coming in by the millions, and they're getting checks, they're getting free, free travel, they're getting free accommodation, everything. No wonder they're coming in from all over the world. How, how long can this go on? You know it's not sustainable. You know there's another financial 9-11 that's about to hit. It says here in the Financial Times, we're in for a fiscal crisis down the road. We don't know how to solve it. And politicians always say, we know what we should do. We don't, we don't know how, how uh, to get reelected if we do it. It's difficult given the other problems that we have, climate and uh, defense expenditures. Expenditures will have to go up. And how are you going to finance that? Trying to do it by borrowing will simply overburden the public sector debt market and lead to and lead at some stage to a crisis only only too reminiscent of uh, what happened in this country in September 2022 that was uh, regarding a, the, the mini budget crisis that the UK had. It says here, you know that something is unsustainable, but you don't know when the dam will burst. It says in uh, macroeconomics, things can go on pretty much as normal because that's what people have come to expect. Further on, it says this is just as likely to happen in the U.S. as anywhere else. I mean, the article concludes basically by showing just how sudden the collapse will be. Just like, just like in 1929, everything's good one day, everything, everybody's partying hard. Or what did Jesus prophesy? He said they'll be eating, drinking, giving in marriage, and so on. And then the collapse happens. It happens so suddenly. This is from another article, Euro Intelligence. It says, our own thinking has been very close to good hearts since the global financial crisis. But we would add a, a couple of observations to this scenario on the, uh, the Euro area. It says, we, we are doing a lot of expensive things in Europe right now that we can't really afford. Fighting an expensive proxy war in Ukraine for which we are neither politically, financially, nor militarily prepared, and one that our team is unlikely to win. And following the U.S. in a geopolitical conflict with China, a country on which uh, have on, a country on which have become dependent on for exports and uh, imports, everything is truly being set up for this uh, this spectacular crash. I think tomorrow. On the show, Sam is going to spend some time talking about the uh, yet another crisis in the Suez. Uh, and you look at uh, an emboldened Iran with the Houthis controlling Yemen now. There's this other story we didn't have time to get to the other day about China uh, rebuilding a nuclear test site. It's from the New York Times. I mean, we're living in the times of the Gentiles. It's important for us, as I said in the first segment, to step back and get the big picture perspective here. What is happening and what happens? What happens when you see our nations collapse economically? This is from uh, He Was Right. Again, free, free brochure. If you don't have it, call our operators, 1-866-930-3024. Well, just one more quote first from... Uh, Euro intelligence. It says, our geopolitical choices have, have both short-term and long-term economic costs. They are causing disruption to trade flows. The EU is now threatening tariffs on Chinese-made electric cars. China will no doubt retaliate. Add to this the expensive stuff we have to, to do in any case. It says here, what makes this scenario so critical for the Euro area are our divergent fiscal policies. What does the Bible say? about those divergent uh, nations that come together, a mixture of, uh, of iron and clay, as Daniel 2 brings out, comes together, though, with power for just a short time. And that, that's going to be aimed at the United States and Britain. That's the United States and Britain in prophecy, this book here. Hate to barrage you with all of our <laughs> literature offerings. But this one is certainly, this gives you the big picture overview uh, that you need to understand Bible prophecy. That's Herbert Armstrong's classic text, 
the United States and Britain in prophecy. Just coming back to he was right. It says here, Mr. Armstrong warned that a massive financial crisis centered in America would ripple across the whole world and would spark the rise of the seventh and final resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire. See, it needs a, it needs a trigger to bring it all together. The, those disparate parts, as was brought out in that previous article, I mean, it is iron and, and clay. It's a mix. But what, what does it take to bring the ten nations together as one for a short time? It takes an economic crisis. This, uh, this article talks about the prophecies in Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. It says here, in 1984, Mr. Armstrong wrote that a massive banking crisis in America could suddenly result in triggering European nations to unite as a new world power larger than either the Soviet Union or the U.S. I mean, we've been talking about this signature prophecy for decades, for decades. And look at what you've already seen. I mean, just the fact that the European Union came together, the fact that Britain is now pulled out of it. I mean, all of that aligns with Bible prophecy. It aligns with, with a forecast that Herbert Armstrong gave for decades. There's still, I mean, there's still <laughs> some, some prophetically significant developments that need to take place. But this is why keeping our eye on the economy is, uh, is important. It says here, looking back, it's clear that the events of September 2008 dealt a death blow to America's reputation as a stable economic superpower. Further on, it says, ultimately, the strongest Roman Catholic economies within the EU will break away from the rest, demanding that they yield to the, the power of the Rome-Berlin axis or be cut off from vital resources. It says this is the next step toward refining uh, and ri the rising United States of Europe into a 10-nation imperial bloc. There, there, there is some refining to come. You know, you see an overgrown block as it is right now, but it's about to be downsized into the prophesied 10 nations. And when you see that happen, you'll know. I mean, you'll know where you heard it first. This is from my father's Key of David program back in August of 2015, clip 11. So let me just take you to that scripture about the 10 kings, which ties us to Europe and their financial crisis. And it's all tied together. And what happens in America is going to intensely uh, shake Europe in a negative way. Verse 10 of Revelation 17. This is about Europe. And what's going, to, what's going to happen there and is happening right now. Verse 10, And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. So you have seven heads of the Holy Roman Empire. And this new book will explain all of that to you. But Mr. Armstrong was on the scene and when the sixth head was here, when one is, and he explained what it was, what was happening, and that there there was another head that has not yet come, but it has now come, and is ready to just burst on the scene any time, and I mean any time, because Greece shows how quickly that whole 28 nation EU, it's called, could unravel, and could develop, or let's say evolve uh, backwards <laughs> into 10 nations or be pared down to 10 nations. He, uh, he was promoting this, uh, this booklet here in uh, that little clip, The Holy Roman uh, Empire in Prophecy. And uh, I mentioned already he was right. You can get to any and all of our literature at the website, thetrumpet.com, or by calling the 800 number. It's toll free if you're in Canada, the United States, or the Caribbean, 1-866-930-3024. The email address, if you'd like to submit some feedback to this show, it's at uh, tdatthetrumpet.com. Some feedback coming in from you viewers. It says, my husband and I are members of the church and enjoy watching and listening to The Trumpet. It says, you do an amazing job every time, and I love how you can speak without hardly looking at your notes. Some days, I suppose, better than others. Today, our cat, Calliope, Cali. Join me as I watched one of your recent episodes. Not sure if we have. There it is. 
There it is, the feline TD viewer watching yours truly on the computer screen there. Another one here says, as always, and there's no way you could uh, ever hear it enough, but thank you so much for the daily. How blessed we are to have such a source, the only source for that matter, of truth in a world of decadence and degeneration. We certainly saw that uh, in the cold open today. It says here, your Monday show, this would have been last week, I believe, uh, your Monday show, I hope and pray, got a lot of subscribers to action uh, in the right direction to answer, uh, got, sorry, I skipped a line, got a lot of traffic to hammer home God's perspective on this, this world's sodomite culture has to stir more listeners uh, and subscribers to action in the right direction to answer God's calling while there is still time to do something about it. That would be uh, the, uh, the show last Monday, Sodomy in the Senate. You can get to that and all of our shows at, uh, at the Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily or at our website, trumpetdaily.com. Uh, this last bit here says, we love and, we love and thank you uh, so much for your daily sacrifices for encouraging and inspiring those in the know and those uh, others who are willing to listen. Another one here says, my wife and I used to watch John Wayne movies almost every evening. Now, five days in a week at night, we watch you. Excellence in broadcasting. <laughs> I think it was uh, Rush. The late Rush Limbaugh, who coined that phrase, that was the name of his network, as I recall, the EIB network. It says here, another one, in discussing the depraved and shameful activity taking place in the White House, you forgot about the violent dogs attacking the Secret Service, not once, but twice. There you go. <laughs> this is from bad to worse. Another one here says, inspiration is always in your broadcast. Even with the sickening events that are taking place, we know that Satan has only a short time. Another one writes, I'm just sickened by hearing what, uh, about what happened on Friday in the Senate. It makes me ill. I think it's going to get uh, much worse before Christ intervenes and ends this horrific perversion and sodomy. I can only imagine how God and Christ are sickened and angry and grieved by all of this. It says here, I could barely get through the TD today without tears. I still think about that young woman who was shot and killed in the Capitol that fateful day. I still am saddened by that. That's, of course, referring to Ashley Babbitt, uh, who was gunned down during the January 6th protest. One uh, final one here says here, all of your work and research for the past few years is coming to fruition. All the evil you've brought to our attention is being unmasked, finally. What an extraordinary time this is. It's almost as if God is putting his enemies through the trial and tests this time around, as if there is a, a convergence of seemingly unrelated events, creating a clear picture for all to see. It says, finally, surely even the radical left communists are beginning to recognize there is a strong, powerful force working against them. If you'd like to write the show, you can reach us, td at thetrumpet.com. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>